Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, I think Tuesday is the only day that didn't have a little tick in it. We've never had a... I don't think we've had a pod on a Tuesday. Obviously, that's an itch that producer guy has been wanting to scratch for some time because we have a, a special interview today. Um, I, 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 I've been very rude, kid. I haven't asked how you are because normally we do this straight after doing the, the week's news pod, but we're doing it before the week's news pod. So I'm, I'm all disc- discombobulated. How are you, Kieran? How was your, how was your weekend? Uh, the, the weekend was busy, I think is the politest way of describing it. But yeah, all good. Uh, still coming to terms with the... The, the loss in the Ashes. Australia were the better team, by the way. Well, yeah, I think if you take away Ben Stokes in Forget uh, innings, but uh, yeah, yeah, putting the uh, putting the less into classless. Uh, Adam Carey and Alex Carey and Co. Uh, yeah, yeah, very good. It's, yeah, I'm happy to say it. It wasn't cheating, but it was gamesmanship of the worst worst order. Um, but also, <laughs> just as a stroke of luck here, and obviously we. We recorded yesterday morning. No, so it's Tuesday now. We recorded Sunday morning. I, I was at one stage going to introduce the pod with an anodyne reference to the Ashes. Just went, oh well, another game's gone. So that would have nothing would have said pre-recorded more than <laughs> mentioning the Ashes. I, I happened to be. I was at a big cricket game uh, on Sunday. I happened to go to Surrey versus Essex. Right. Uh, and I didn't see any of the first innings because, like most people, I was glued to my phone to see what was happening down the road. But um, my abiding memory is of um, a stag do. And first of all, if you're going to have a stag do with 20 of your mates dressed as ballerinas, <laughs> I don't think Sunday afternoon is the time for it, to be perfectly honest, you know, <laughs> unless they've gone through the night. But they spent they spent the entire the entire game just singing Aussie, 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 cheat, 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 which which seeing 20 men in various states of inebriation all dressed as ballerinas was one of the reasons that we love cricket. Anyway, the, our interview today, Kieran, is um, it's a more important uh, subject and the levity with which we've introduced it, I'm afraid to say, because we're talking about a club uh, that we've been mentioning far too often recently, Kieran, um, a club that started with the pebble of a story eight, nine, ten weeks ago, which has become an avalanche. We're talking about Reading FC, and we spoke to Paul Mann, 
from Reading Fan Group, Sell Before We Die, which is campaigning for a change of ownership at the club. Um, and this is what we had to say. Paul, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, I don't often get to say this to people I interview, but I, I really rather I wasn't having to interview you, to be perfectly honest. Um, I've not met you. I'm sure you're lovely, but we meet in unfortunate circumstances. But before we talk about what's happening at your football club, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been a Reading fan. Hi, yeah. Yeah, I've been a Reading fan since 1985. And that was a really, really bad season to pick as a Reading (laughs) fan in many ways, because we started off with breaking the Football League record for 13 consecutive wins at the start of a season. And oh, dear, dear, dear. It's been a bit of a mixed bag since then. We've obviously been up and down. We were in Division 3 then, up to Division 2. Then we hang around in the Championship for a while. That we've been in the Premier League a few times, and now it's it's not great. It's not great. We're back to where we are. Actually, began as a Reading fan, and it's just been difficult, Kevin. Really, really difficult. I, I imagine it has. I mean, Kieran and I both have fond, I wouldn't say fond memories of the old Elm Park, but while Elm Park was there, we could look at Sellers Park as not being the shittest ground in the league, which was <laughs> great. And of course, all three of us have Steve Coppel in common, but um. I think most people, Paul, would would look at Reading recently and say it's been a good story. But tell us what the current situation is now, though, in terms of HMRC, points, deductions, non-payment, etc. It's a long list, isn't it? Well, yeah. The fact that we've even got that list is just it's horrendous. I mean, the the biggest issue for me is obviously you've got the tax issue, which is absolutely scary. That's the third time that petition has come up to our owner, Dai Young, and his time that he's been the owner of the club, which is now six years. Yeah. That's not a good sign straight away. But the fact that you're not paying the staff, it's just horrendous. Football players, they earn a hell of a lot of money. Well done. Good luck to them. I've no issue with that. That's all legal and everything. But it's the normal members of staff that I really worry for. And we have contact with some of them and other members of our group do as well. And I I worry for them massively. Because if you're doing a job, you should be paid. And once you're reaching that point as a football club, you're, you're deciding that you're either going to pay the wages or not your tax. This is just a dreadful situation. And it feels like we're drifting slowly, inevitably, hopefully not, but into administration at some point. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm wrong there, though. The, the staff thing is the one that upsets us most as well, because as we've discussed around other clubs, particularly Wigan recently, 80% of the people that work at your football club will be Reading fans. That's And that's uh, that's that's what upsets us most, is the fact that you're taking advantage, not only of your staff, but also of fans. Before we discuss this in more detail, Paul, let me just bring in Kieran quickly. Kieran, in terms of the HMRC, HMRC um, petition, what's what's the latest, latest on that, do we know? And do we have any idea yet what the figure is that they're talking about in terms of unpaid tax? We, we don't have the figure, but uh, I believe that uh, Wigan was around about two and a half million pounds and Reading had a higher wage bill than um, Wigan. So we, it's likely to be a substantial amount. Uh, we also saw, saw in respect of Derby County, that was well over 20 million pounds, but that was sort of a, that was a long, long charge sheet in respect of uh, Mel Morris and, and the way that he chose to run, run the club. 
Um, it's it's likely to be significant, as as Paul has said. It's it's not a one off, um, and I suspect we we weren't aware uh, until somebody very kindly sort of gave access to sort of a bit of a uh, bit bit of history that there had been petitions before from HMRC. Um, and they hadn't gone any further. So, so, so we, what we have now is a petition is effectively HMRC saying we've got fed up of the lack of payment. We're giving you effectively an official legal warning with the potential of go- it going through through the court system. And what is likely to happen, given what we've seen at Southend United, is that um, I, I suspect there will be a miraculous payment the day of the hearing. And I think the day of the hearing is not for a few more weeks yet. So um, it, it's a case of watch this space. But of course, every day that, that that outstanding tax issue is in existence, then Reading are yet again in breach of the the embargo rules, which means that they cannot sign players. And, and they've got a pretty long charge sheet. In fact, they are the only club out of the 72 at the EFL, who are up on the the list of embargo clubs, which which doesn't reflect well on the owners. I think it's really important to separate owners from football club as well. Yeah, of course. In the court of social media, which which we all know, it, it's it, it's a cheap shot from other fans. Um, you know, you, you don't support a club because the owners are, are good or bad. You support the club because you love the club. Um, so, so that that's where we are. It's 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 not a good situation. Players not being paid, HMRC being not being paid, makes you wonder who else is not being paid. Yeah, Paul, the, the transfer embargo is particularly worrying because I understand if the season were to start tomorrow, you wouldn't be able to field a team, would you? No, no, we'd have to put out a team full of academy players. I mean, on the embargo front, we haven't actually signed a player for a fee since 2020 August. Really? And that was over Ajaria. Uh, that's how badly run the club has been during this tenure of Die Young. I mean, it's just absolutely damning. I mean, I can't see how we managed to actually stay in the in the championship for so long under embargo. I mean, I can, because I can mention Keir Jarchan and the links that we have with him. Yeah. But it it's a real problem and a real worry. I, I don't know if we're going to come out of it now after these latest breaches. Probably unlikely. What interests me, um, Paul, is the cell before we die was launched on the 21st of June. Uh, I almost wonder why it, it, it took you so long, and, and but was there, was there a straw that broke the camel's back that eventually led to fans getting together and say, nobody else has sorted this out, we have to do it? Yeah, yeah, totally. And we actually, us, um, I have a site called Down Park Rails, and uh, another one, Club on 871, actually organised a protest about 18 months ago yeah. at the stadium. But this one's going to be much bigger because it's got all the red and fan sites in there, ones associated with the club as well, as in Star. Yeah, there was an event that happened. What happened was there was another EFL listing on the embargo for non-payment of loan fees. Right, and then, oh, okay. Yes, and then there was the uh, non-payment of staff wages, and that's what tipped it over the edge. I believe right. everyone thought that's just enough. And the thing is about Dai Young, the lot of the supporter base actually still backed him right up until that point. And it is quite amazing when I, when I think about it. It really is incredible. But they were blinded by the fact that he spent so much money. It was financial blackmail, essentially, that they look at the training ground and they look at the amount of money he spent. But they look at where he's put us and what that money has done. It hasn't been good. He's completely disrespected the club and its long-term future. I, I want to come on to that idea of financial blackmail later on, especially in terms of what one of your previous owners said recently. 
But it, it's really interesting you talk about the fans being behind him because you, you've kind of second-guessed my next question. was Because your press release said that um, Mr. Dyer's stewardship had been, and I quote, an unmitigated disaster, but also acknowledged that Reading fans had, and again, I quote, been supportive of him. So was there a time when he first came into the club that it looked like he was going to be the good, responsible owner that you needed to, to stabilise you in the Championship and move you up again? Well, I think, yeah, I think probably what it is, is he's got that magic word, hasn't he? Billionaire. And as soon as he comes <laughs> into a football club, I mean, let, let's be realistic. That's what football fans think of straight away, isn't it? It's yeah, money, money, money. Much. Yeah. Um, and they don't realise that actually you'd be much better off maybe with someone with less money, but actually cares. I mean, yeah, they thought when he came in, because it was such a weird situation, because the deal was actually agreed during our 2-1 win over Fulham in a playoff final at half time, And it was announced immediately afterwards, after you go through EFL process after that, obviously, yeah. to be confirmed. But yeah, I think initially a lot of people thought he would be the right person. He came in, he spent money, but it was an incredible amount of money. But then after that, in the second year, he went absolutely, yeah crazy with money and football fans are always blundered by you know big transfer fees and they didn't work out his link with Keir Jarchan which I mentioned before it hasn't worked out it just yeah as an owner I think a lot of people have kept faith in him because of the amount of money spent the training ground which is amazing but the problem is he actually owns the ground now uh-huh. and this is a, another problem which has crossed across many different clubs around the country is they end up with a situation where they don't actually own where they play which what, what happens then when another owner comes in? It, it's just a real mess. Yeah, well, it also dissuades other owners as well. You mentioned the link with Kia a couple of times. Can you just elaborate for the listeners who don't possibly know about that, what uh, what that link is? Uh, well, his link is that he's officially a close friend and right. an ally and uh, an advisor. But, yeah, I, there's more going on. That's all I can say about, Mark, about, about the situation of uh, Kia Jarcham at Redden Football Club. It's a... Uh, his involvement with transfers over the years, he's brought in some amazing players, his links. There's no doubt you look at someone like Emi Martinez, he was incredible signing for Reading. I mean, you look at what he's gone on to do. But it means that the club has absolutely no long-term planning on its transfer, its structure. So you have players that come in, you never get any players that you sell for more than what you buy for. Uh-huh. Uh, and you can't run a club like that. So Keir Jarcham is a major problem and another person who is an issue at the club. There, there are others, but we can come into them. And does he have an official role at the club? No, no, he does not have an official role. So it's very, very tricky. Okay. Yeah. While all this has been unfolding, um, and unfortunately it's unfolding rather rapidly at the moment, has there been any communication at all between uh, Young Dai and the fans? No, we have not heard from... I have not heard from him in, since he took over in 2017. Not a single word. Not a word? No, no, never heard him speak. Nothing from him. No, everything that we've had would be from the incumbent CEO, which at one point was Ron Gourlay. Yeah. And now it's Dai Yong Pang, who's been there since 2020. And Dai Yong Pang put some statements out, but Dai Yong Pang, the other person... No, there's no no communication at all. And that is such a big underpinning issue at Reading. There's been nothing from him at all. The club will justify it. I've been to meetings with the club and they will justify it. And they will say, 
that other clubs do this. Their owners never speak. And I understand that. They don't have to speak all the time. I don't want to hear from all the time. It'd be very dull. But if you hear from them not once in six years, I, I don't think that's normal. Well, it's, it's not normal. It's also well, arrogance, one word for it. Rude is one word for it. It wouldn't happen in any other company. And also just the fact that he's not acknowledging that there is upset and discomfort. At least Wigan's owners acknowledge that they people were going without money. Oh, that's just, this is why we still get angry, isn't it? I mean, it's not, it's not only the men's team that have struggled as well, Paul. Is I mean, the women's mm. team in the academy have really suffered as well here, haven't they? Yeah, totally. I mean, the women's team has now gone part-time. The women's team were really successful relative to the budget that they had. They were doing well in the WSL. But, yeah, they've gone as well because he's completely pulled the funding on them and the academies lost Cat 1's uh, status, gone down to Cat 2. Um, we're yet to find out what's going to happen on that. That's been uh, assessed as well. We'll see. We'll see on that one. Um, there's a lot going on with the academy and long-term funding, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, before I ask you some of the specifics about what your campaign is going to do and what realistically it hopes to achieve, I'd like to bring Kieran back in again. Um, Kieran, in terms of new owners coming in, the fact that the club technically doesn't own the ground is obviously an issue, but what sort of valuation would you put at Reading at the moment if somebody was looking to buy a club, which you would imagine with its proximity to London, with its recent, not too far away history in the Premier League, would be an attractive proposition for any buyer, wouldn't you? Yes, and part of the reason we're seeing so many American owners come into the game at present is that they they perceive there to be bargains um, in the Championship and League One and so on, and you're only two two steps, two years away from... The, the Premier League, and that's where Reading are at present. Um, with the ground, I think uh, if, if we use sort of Derby as, as a benchmark, you know, Derby went for around about £60 million, although that, that has always seen an inflated, has been an inflated price. I, th- I think proximity to, to London, um, decent stadium, new stadium, so therefore the, the, the ability to leverage on the back of that, you'd probably be looking in the region of 30 to £40 million. Um, without the stadium... There's not a lot there, you know. As Paul said, there's not a squad. You've effectively just buying the name of the club, and and then you are beholden to to the landlord. So I think it would have to be sold as a whole package, including the stadium. And Reading were one of these, one of the first clubs to go down the route of of selling the stadium to another company owned by the owner uh, in order to to circumvent uh, financial fair play. And if you look at the the hit list of other clubs that have done that. We've got Sheffield Wednesday, who's had a points deduction, Birmingham City, who've had a points deduction, and Derby County, who've had a points deduction. So, you know, it, it, it's normally a sign of uh, the finances being pretty precarious to begin with. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Paul, one of your previous owners uh, issued slightly conflicting uh, statements the last few days. Sir John Badesky, who I believe owned the club for about 26 years and oversaw your most successful period, but he called for your current owner to be supported by the fans, arguing that he's put £200 million into the club in six years, um, so he deserves a chance to turn it round. But he also talked about... CEOs not understanding the culture of Reading Football Club. Were you disappointed with his first announcement when he was when he's backing the owner? I'm not surprised he backed the owner. He does really? it publicly, but what he does privately is completely different. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sir John has been absolutely legend at Reading. Like you just said, he gave us our most successful time. But I completely disagree with what he said about um, us backing the owner. There's absolutely no way. He's had his time. It's time for him to go. He's been an absolute disaster. Sorry, John, but you, you've had a nightmare there. Well, it, well also, it, it, it seems an odd argument to say, well, he, he deserves uh, our trust because he's put £200 million into the club in six years, which on the face of it is a good thing. But mm. <laughs> you have to look at the financial disaster that is going at the moment. So really what Sir John Medeci is going to say, he's put £200 million in six years and wasted every single penny of it, essentially. Yeah, basically. He's given us um, three years of embargoes. Uh, we're set to break another EFL record by becoming the first club to have three consecutive seasons of point deductions. I don't think we should be celebrating this, John. I'm sorry, but you could put in one billion pound. That's still a disaster. There's no good way to look at it. Yeah, and I mean, Kieran's made the point as well that you see Mashiri put six million pound into Everton and have almost the same effect. I mean, it's not as bad as Reading, but just pumping money into a club isn't always the way forward, which is disappointing, as you say. It brings us right back to the start of your conversation when the billionaire comes in and every single fan puts their feet up and says, well, that's it, Premier League in five years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's uh, financial blackmail, as I mentioned earlier. That's what's been happening a long time at Redden. Finally, there will still be some Redden fans who still believe that it can be turned around, but I don't think at all. Uh, and, sorry, and it's, in terms of what Sir John said about the, the culture of Reading Football Club, do you understand? Obviously, obviously, you understand what he means mm. by that, and it's. It, I find it's very difficult with the fans of any club, especially Kieran, is a Brighton fan. It's, it's impossible for him to explain the culture. How does that, that work? And it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't. To be honest, Paul, we, it's on the on the surface, it all seems serene. It seems like we're two swans just getting on with each other, mm. but underneath, it's chaos. To be perfectly honest, but how would you? Could you explain the culture of Reading Football Club? Is there a particular? I mean, every club thinks they're unique, obviously, and no one's been through situations like they have. But I, I think Mateski underestimates the culture of Reading and the fans if he thinks that protesting against something that's almost possibly going to ruin their club isn't part of the cultural DNA of Reading fans. 
Yeah, I mean, the culture of Reading FC is the underdog. That's essentially what we are. Right. Yeah, we have to always fight, and we always have to prove our point, and we always have to be the like the the outsiders. We're like on the edge, just on the edge of London. Um, we're even further out than Crystal Palace. It's kind of like <laughs> it's hard to imagine, but like yeah. you know, we often get called like Londoners and all the other stuff that comes with that at football games. But um, yeah, the the culture of us is we have to be what we are. We're from Reading. We know we're not going to be the biggest club in the world ever, but we want to be proud of our team. We want to have something we can support and we want something that's going to be there for the future generations. And at the moment, we don't feel that's guaranteed. And that's why we've set up our campaign because he's actually slowly killing every part of the club. You know, the men's team's dying. The women's team's virtually gone. The academy's got worse. The future financial of... The club is an absolute mess. We don't own the tree. We don't own the stadium. There's nothing good. I, I can't see what is good about his ownership at all. Well, also, what's interesting when you talk about the culture? I mean, you mentioned Palace not really being in London. That's how we see ourselves. We're not a London yeah. club in the way that Arsenal, Chelsea, and Spurs are. You know, we kind of brackets fancy Dan London club, but the the football club is part of our identity. It's part of yeah. you know. I live in a part of London where three different boroughs sort of merge into each other. There's nothing distinct about it except for the club. And that's what gives me my identity. And in a a town like Reading, where it's the football club that gels people together in a way, it's like that's what most people will think of when they think of the town of of Reading. They might think of a certain comedian or whatever, but they'll hear about Reading. Then people will go, well, why are they called the Biscuit Men and so on? And that people find out about the identity of a town through the football club. And I think Sir John has misunderstood that in his comments as well. Yeah, which is quite amazing, really, isn't it? After being the owner for 26 years and spending virtually all of his, well, all of his life in Reading almost yeah. here. I, I find that incredible. I mean, it's just money. Unfortunately, it's, the situation, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's just sad that someone who loves the club as much as he does, and he completely does, and I have no doubt on that, He's just so blinded to the situation that we're in. I mean, maybe he just thinks that if he leaves, the the situation will get dramatically worse. And it could quite easily. We, I mean, I don't want to raise fears for anyone about liquidation, but the situation is perilous. I, I really struggle to think of owners that would want to come in and buy us right now. It, it is tricky. Well, listen, before we talk about the, the campaign, let me just bring Kieran in on the back of that. Uh, Kieran... <laughs> Uh, this, this sounds like an awfully ghoulish question to ask, but how perilous is the situation, Kieran? Using your your skill and your experience, I mean, this we we always pray and hope that administration liquidation are not on the cards. But what what do you think the situation, the outcome of this is going to be? I, I don't think it's be liquidation. Right. Um, Reading are too attractive a proposition to a prospective owner. Um, given all of the positives that we've already said, you know, solid fan base, new stadium. Uh, proximity to London, airports, you know, all, all of that makes it attractive. Um, administration has got to be seen at a risk because you, you you start off by not paying the players, then you follow it up by not paying the tax. Um, if you've not got the cash to pay the next tax bill, and, and let's face it, yeah, we've just been through we've just been through the, the the June payroll, and I'm assuming that that has been met, which which is. Uh, you know, you'd have thought that you know, I'd imagine Paul would have heard of that not being the case. So that that is a positive, um, but there's not that many people to pay as far as the the playing staff are concerned. Um, you know, going going forwards, and and that is 
that's a concern. How, how, how are you going to attract players as well over the course of the next you know, four or five weeks when when the club's reputation has been has been destroyed um, from a from a recruitment point of view by the owner? And I think that's my concern. But I I don't see them as going out of business. I just fear administration and that's a further 15 points on on you know, what we've already got to deal with yeah so paul tell us a little bit about your campaign who's involved and what have you got planned uh yeah our campaign is called uh, sell before we die and we've got lots of reading fc fan sites involved all the big ones we've got the tyler stand we've got star we've got club 1871 we've got my own epr and yeah I think our plan is to keep everything legal. We don't want to do con- condone or <laughs> yeah, be involved with anything that's going to cause any legal problems for anyone. We want to create an action that forces the owner out of Reading FC, and we want to do it in a coordinated fashion with lots of different protests, which would be online, which would be in person, which would be advertising, which could be anywhere in the world. We want to basically embarrass the owner and bring highlight our situation to other people who haven't heard about it because this is where we are now. We have to do absolutely everything as a group and we can only do that with the support of Reading fans and the people of Reading and also other fans who've been through this and other sites because we accept you know help from everyone because we're learning. We're incredibly new. Yeah. We, we don't pretend to have all the answers to how we're going to do this, but we're going to try everything we can and that's all we can do. Playing devil's advocate here, Paul, which producer guy sometimes asks me to do, is there is there not a risk that forcing the owner out or embarrassing the owner out, however you put it, without the potential of somebody else coming in, is is just as risky as what's happening at the moment? It is, but the problem is that with Die Young, there is no possibility of it actually getting better. If someone else who knew was to come in, there's a possibility it could get better. Right, and that's where we are now. Yeah. yeah. Do Do you get the sense that the the town of Reading, outside the football community, are aware of the the current difficulties and the importance of keeping the football club afloat? I don't think enough. No, and that's why part of our campaign will be going into Reading Town Centre and trying to highlight it with flyers and posters, and just being present and there to talk about it, to, to highlight it to enough people because. Honestly, no, I, I don't think enough people are. Okay, that's interesting. And what's what's the response being then from Reading fans in general? Uh, I, I'm still fascinated by the fact that you say there are one or two that are supportive of of the current owner. That's incredible. So, but in, would you say in general, the vast majority of Reading fans are, are on your side here? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say the vast majority of uh, fans that we've seen or spoken to or heard from are completely behind it. They won't agree with everything that we do. That's always going to be the way we need to start any protest. But they agree with the concept, yeah. And it's time for him to leave, yeah. Yeah, and just finally, you say you're, you're it's a learning process, which of course it is. Uh, and if there's anything we can do to help here on the podcast, um, when I say me, uh, we, I nearly always mean Kieran, because he's the one with knowledge and expertise. If there is anything we can do to guide you or or help publicise you, but have you been formally in touch with the fans of other clubs at all? Uh, yeah, I think we have been in touch with a few so far, and uh, yeah, it's all been very positive. But we're, yeah, we're always open to new ones. Anyone who's got any advice they can give to us from their experience. Unfortunately, there's a lot of it out there in the last few years. Uh, and, there, um, yeah, there, there really is, um, and unfortunately, every time one club 
<laughs> solves their problems, another one pops up to take their place, which is mm. depressing at the moment. But what's not depressing is I imagine many fans of clubs listening to this will be in touch uh, to offer you help. Um, is there a, a specific planned demonstration around the ground coming up that we can point people in the direction of? Yeah, we've got a friendly coming up against uh, Sutton and there will be a protest at that game. Uh, that's this coming upcoming Saturday. So I think that's July the 7th. July, yes, July the 7th. Okay, brilliant. All right, well, uh, I'm not sure if I'm doing anything Saturday. I might even go down. I might be a secret Sutton fan for the day and come and say hello. Um, Paul, we, we wish you all the best. Uh, again, I, I wish we hadn't had to interview you and I really hope we don't have to interview you again um, unless we get some good news and we can talk about what's happening there. But as I say, in the meantime, all we can do is wish you the very best and um, offer you our help and support and good wishes. Thank you. Really appreciate your help and efforts. And uh, yeah, we'll do our best. I, I think, Kieran, as Paul said, it's one of those issues, be careful what you wish for because you know, there you are a few years ago as a Reading fan. It's been a bit of an up and down time. You've, you've been in the Premier League, you've left the Premier League and then along comes this billionaire owner and as you talk about clubs being blinded by the check, fans are blinded by the word billionaire. Very much so. If, if you take a look at Reading's finances since he acquired the club, total revenue £53 million, total wages 114 and that's before you then start to factor in transfers as well. Um, I, I absolutely, I thought Paul was was refreshingly honest and, and, and yeah. I think most fans secretly would say the same. Yeah, we like the idea of billionaires coming in. Um, but yeah, the, the issue with a sugar daddy is that if you end up with a sugar daddy, at, at some point, potentially, you're going to have to grab your ankles. And, and, and that's <laughs> what's happened here in terms of... Uh, you know, the club has been well and truly shafted now by the owner um, and people have lost significant, yeah, they've, they've lost out, you know, people haven't been paid um, and, and those are the uh, the everyday members of staff, HMRC hasn't been paid, yeah. you know, they have a responsibility um, and I don't think the EFL really could have done much more than they have done because if, if a billionaire comes in, shows you the money, you don't know whether or not they're going to uh, you know, keep up their side of the bargain uh, and, and continue to pay the, the ongoing costs. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not much else you could do with the, the fit and proper person's rules, are there? You know, he he, he ticks all those boxes uh, and he had a billion pounds. So I don't think the EFL can really be blamed here. Although, again, we have spoken in the past about whether the EFL should have better checks to see whether these things could be headed off at the past, so, so to speak. I thought where Paul was very honest as well was in admitting that there, there is a danger that, that you force the owner out without having a, a plan B, a new owner to come in. But he was quite open about the fact that the, the, the one thing they have to do is get rid of the current owner. Yes, I, I don't really see there's much of an alternative, um, but... yeah. Until somebody comes in with with the money, because it is a it's an expensive business. Uh, Reading's uh, broadcast revenue uh, will have fallen by around about eighty percent in being relegated from the championship to, to League One. And, and Paul said that he's, he's amazed that they haven't been relegated until this season. Well, well, part of the reason for that is that there's been other clubs who have been up to financial chicanery, who themselves have had points deductions, who and themselves been relegated. 
um, and and then it's it's goodbye. And this doesn't this isn't this isn't a good good view. Uh, you know, we've always said what happens on the pitch stays on the pitch, um, and, and yeah. now Reading have, have joined that list of clubs that have had points deductions and been relegated into the bargain. Well, it's really depressing as well when I asked Paul whether they were turning to other clubs for advice, and he said, "Well, there's a lot of them to turn to who have been through the <laughs> yeah. same situation as us." Which is, I, I generally do. You know, when we started this podcast in end of 2019, I, I, I didn't think football's ills would have been solved by now, Kieran. But I didn't think they'd be getting worse. I didn't. I generally didn't think at that stage that we would be talking about a succession of established historical football clubs that are going through these types of situations. It's just, and the fact is that Reading, as you say, it it won't go into liquidation, please God. And in a few weeks' time, hopefully we'll be reporting that a new owner's coming in. But then another club will, will nip into the space and, mm. and, and we'll be talking to somebody else from another fan group. And it's, it's quite depressing, Kieran, isn't it? It is. When if we go back to, to when producer guy introduced us to each other, and he said, "Yeah, my aim is to get a show out a week and, and get twenty minutes worth of material." Yeah. And I saw you looked at me. You didn't know me at the time, and, <laughs> and I looked at you and go, well, "That's a bit optimistic, isn't it?" And, and now the very fact that we're doing three, some yeah, you know, this this potentially we could have four four shows going yeah. out this week. Um, and yeah, we we enjoy what we do, but it's it's an indictment of the game rather than a celebration too often. Yeah. And I'll say one thing for Paul. Uh, it's very refreshing to have a guest who realises the difficulties that we, I, because you're more mature than I am, uh, have as a Palace fan, being cheery with a Brighton fan on a, on a weekly basis. He, Paul understood that and I appreciate him. There's so many times we have guests on who don't seem to realise the underlying tension between <laughs> between us, Kieran. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to join them, that'd be very kind of you. And you could do so by making a small monthly contribution at patreon.com slash price of football. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. Bye, everybody. Bye from the Holly and Phil of Football Finance. <laughs> the Price of Football. I'm for the